Welcome back, everybody, to the Trail Live Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you for uh, joining me on yet another journey across the podcast airwaves. I've got a really great conversation set up today with the female champion of the 2023 Cocodona 250, Sarah Uh, You know, we talk about her recap of the race, what got her into trail running, her, you know, overall, like, her first ultra to her, to her victory. Now, like what's the, what's been the differences for her? Um, it's a really great conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. Let's just get right into it. Welcome to the trail life. Sarah Ostazuski. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. I don't want to hurt nobody. I guess are you recovered? Feeling feeling good after everything now? Uh yeah, I wouldn't say I'm 100% back. Like I haven't been doing regular volume. I'm still doing kind of like easy shorter <laughs> runs, but back to running. Um there's a fun thing in Flagstaff that Pizza Cletta does, so like a few days after the race, um some friends and I ran back up to the top of Eldon to get a free pizza. So <laughs> I had to yeah, I've been hiking and biking and yeah, just doing shorter runs, which has been nice. I like have to get outside and do something. I think for me active recovery recovery is better than just you know, sitting around. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was, I was kind of curious. Like, what is your, what is your full recovery? Like after an event like this, like as far as active, like how far into like active recovery do you go? Is it a couple of weeks out? Is it like, when, when does that kind of like active recovery stop and new training begin, I guess is what it <laughs> Yeah. That's a good question. I think it's been different every year I've done Cocodona. Um, first year I didn't have a coach second year, uh, I was working with a coach and this year I have a new coach. So yeah, I think it's just kind of been fun to see what works or like how much hiking and stuff. I, sh- I feel like I need after something like Cocodona. Um, what's it been a couple weeks by now I have <laughs> a race coming up. So, uh, I, w- I won't be doing, you know, I don't think I'll get back to regular long runs before that. That's like early June, June 3rd. Yeah. That'll be like the, I think the first like big run. Um, We'll see how it goes. I'm just kind of going for fun for sure. But yeah, I think uh, it's nice for sure. A couple days after the race, I was just too tired to do much. (laughs) I had really wonder why. I mean, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Um, I had really crazy like brain fog. I felt like I was just staring into space, like a just (laughs) kind of lost, um, not able to process. Like people would ask me questions and I was just, I felt slow to even answer or, or figure out like what exactly I needed or wanted. Um, yeah, it took a couple of days to like feel a little like normal, I guess. Appetite was off a bit too for a few days. So yeah, didn't do much you know, the few days after the race, I did hang out at the finish line, which is always really special. I had some other friends out racing as well. So to see them come across the finish in Heritage Square is really special. That's always really fun. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky that I was able to just, you know, I finished my race and was still able to see <laughs> all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like hiking. I think, yeah, just keeping any running that I've been doing 
like about an hour, hour and a half and keeping it easy. I haven't been, um, I did, I have done some power hiking up some hillier stuff, but yeah, just really trying hard to keep it easy, yeah. easy well, effort. Cause you live in, you live in Flagstaff. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, I mean, you, you guys have got some really great trails out there, obviously. And, and so it, I guess from an active recovery standpoint and just going out and hiking, I mean, you're, you're getting some, you know, even if it's a nice leisurely quote unquote, um, <laughs> hike, it's still a solid hike. I mean, so there's definitely a great opportunity to at least still get the miles in, but still keep it very easy, I guess. And some, some yeah, I, I hate that. I kind of focus on weekly mileage a bit too much. Like I like to have a consistent 80 ish miles a week so <laughs> post race. It's like, I'm not, I'm not getting that. And I, yeah, it's uh, it's bugging me a little bit, but I'm just like patience. Like it'll, I'll, I'll get back to it. Um, I think it's, I'm trying to be smart and not worry about any kind of mileage. Um, yeah, we are still at altitude. Yeah, but I've been here for it'll be like two years in August, so I feel like I'm used to it. Um, just living up here, but <laughs> yeah, I think a couple more weeks of just mostly easy stuff before I really do any like get back to consistent like long runs or any kind of back to back long runs um, or workouts. Well, I want to I want to get into a recap, obviously, of Cocodona, and obviously that's why you're on. But this is the first time you and I are meeting and, and chatting, so I'd love to get a little bit of your backstory with everything because I I heard a rumor that you are a Midwest girl. <laughs> that's right. And- I am also Midwest, so it's always great to talk to other Midwesterners. I, I I think it's not to offend anybody else out in the other parts of the country, but I think Midwesterners are probably some of the nicest folks you're you're ever gonna meet. So, <laughs> yeah, where at uh, in the Midwest are you from? I'm from Peoria, Illinois. Okay, yeah, I'm from uh, Crown Point, Indiana, so like Chicago area. Yeah, I was gonna say it's just on that western edge right or like over there yeah. like right right when before you get into cross over the border or something right Right. so it's it growing up in midwest was always great could i ever live back there definitely not because i'm in san diego now and i'm like yeah this is mm, <laughs> not so much but i i do appreciate where i grew up i think the the values and what you grow up with there is kind of it extends you know further than what people think so it, yeah that's exactly how I feel. It's nice to visit family. Most of uh, my twin is out here in Flagstaff, but the rest of our family is um, pretty much in Indiana still. So it's nice to visit, but yeah, I, it's, it's <laughs> glad I, glad we made the jump to. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you live in Midwest before you moved out to where you're, cause you were in, I believe you were out in Portland first before Portland. you came to Flagstaff. So how, where was that time frame when you actually left Indiana area? Yeah, I think it was like summer 2014 is when I moved to Portland, um, specifically Beaverton, Oregon. Um, so yeah, right after I graduated college, kind of had that summer in the Midwest and then um, did essentially ran a 60K out there. And then I think a week or two later moved to Oregon, um, essentially to get... I was looking for jobs on the West Coast, um, but essentially I wanted to get into trail running and yeah. West Coast seemed like the place to be at the time. I had read like Born to Run and <laughs> you know, so much like I think where I'm from in Indiana, everyone 
looks up to Boston, like Boston Marathon or maybe Chicago Marathon is kind I of the dream. That. But yeah. yeah, after reading that, I'm like, Western States is the dream, right? Like I have to somehow get into Western. So I don't know, West Coast seemed pretty cool at the time. So yeah, I just kind of took the leap and moved away. <laughs> yeah, there's, and, uh, there's quickly that. got into the trail running scene out there. Yeah, there's there's not much trail running that goes on in the Midwest. I mean, we, it's, there is some, but it's hard to find. (laughs) Yeah. At the time, for sure. Like I, you know, there were books, but I only knew one woman who was interested and sometimes ran ultras. There's a guy I know now, Steve Kearney. He's like, I mean, even back then he was like running across the state. So there are definitely people out there. I think it'd be easier to connect now. Like, I don't feel like we had, we definitely did not have the social media or media coverage that we have now. So even when I was, you know, the first couple of years in Portland, Oregon, like I was just talking to people, like I would just sign up for things if someone I knew had recommended it. So yeah, a lot of word of mouth stuff, which I think was nice because, um, you know, you meet some, some mentors or some friends. And so you trust (laughs) what they're saying. You're like, yeah, for me, I was like, yeah, I'll jump in. That sounds cool. So yeah, I mean, and Portland, Oregon is definitely like a running mecca too. And oh, access to trails is pretty good. Um, is like in the summer, uh, for sure. Did you were so growing up in Indiana? Were you were you a runner in in high school and in, in college, or just this is something that you kind of got into a little bit later after you post college type of thing? Once yeah, definitely a little bit later. I did track and cross country in high school. Didn't really like it. Like I, it was fun to go out with the team. We would run in the dunes, um, on weekends. Um, and like those were on trails. I just, it wasn't like, Oh, we're doing trail running. We were just running, you know, together yeah. with the team. So yeah, did track and cross country. I ran the mile and track. <laughs> it was really tough. <laughs> I did not have the right mindset. Like I was more focused on schoolwork. Um, So to me back then, like going to practice, taking the bus over to meets, like, I'm just like, oh, this is a lot of time. Um, So yeah, didn't have the right mindset. When I went, I went to um, Indiana University down in Bloomington. So I didn't have a car. My sister and I would just run around everywhere to kind of check everything out. So that was fun. It was just for fun. Like I do think the team atmosphere is something special. I probably didn't appreciate it as much then, but um, yeah, when I was just, you know, running around Bloomington, I'm like, oh, you know, running is great. Like it's um, great for (laughs) stress or just, I liked to just see things on foot. You get to learn about a place way faster. I think if you're just walking around or jogging or running. Yeah, I thought that was good. And the school, they put on a half marathon every spring. So my sister and I just, you know, jumped into that. We'd run to the start, do the race, run back. And we're like, oh, it's a pretty good run. They'd have bagels at the end or whatever. And we'd grab some of those for the, for the run back home. Yeah, I think I, I think it was nice to just do feel like I was doing my own thing and run where I wanted, run as many miles. I didn't really think about any of the details, you know, like how much should I be running? I just went out for fun and um, steadily, I think subconsciously like increased the distance or time that I was spending running outside. Um, Yeah. And it just stuck. Um, Yeah. Then it's like, you hear about things like ultras. And for me, I was like, that's, I mean, that's what I, (laughs) the marathon was cool. I had done a marathon to, um, I think senior year, I want to say like that fall. 
that went really well. But I was just like, that's just the stepping stone. Like I'm moving on to the ultra stuff. So yeah. from the ultra side of things, you said you did a 60K mm-hmm. out there. What was that a full, was that a full trail race there? Or was that kind of, cause I know it, it's weird to, to hear this, but in the, in the Midwest, some of the ultras are actually road or road ultras and it's, yeah. so it's kind of weird. So was it, was the 60K kind of a, the road trail or is it a little bit of combination? What was it? It was all trail. It was in uh, Potato Creek, like a small kind of state park. I don't think it happens anymore. It was all trail, but I think it was, I forget how many loops. It was like an infinity loop shape. Oh, so yeah, I forget how many loops it was. Looped trail course. I thought it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, from, from a first time perspective, I mean, that's actually your best bet. I mean, if it's infinity, because it was probably, uh, uh, your, your aid station or your checkpoint is kind of right in the center. Right. So you're every single loop you do, you're going through that same spot. So, right. And that was exactly my plan. Like, I think I had a drop bag, um, still, still working on figuring out drop bags, but it made it easy because it's like, okay, I'll just grab. I, it's funny thinking back, like I took a cliff bar, I think every loop, yeah, I think that's what I had to eat. So I'm like, oh, break it up by the loops. I didn't walk, you know, that was the goal. I'm like, you know, cause it's running. Like you don't, you don't walk anything. I didn't, I had just, yeah. I just had no idea. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, I'm now, now I'm quite interested compared to now and what you know now, right. Versus that first, first race you did. Like what's your, what is Cause you're, you're just going out there to try and you know, keep running and not, and, and get into this thing. Like, what is your nutrition going into this? Like, cause you said you a cliff bar every, every round, but are you kind of, have you even factored in like the hydration aspect of it yet? Or is oh, it like, no. oh, you know what? I don't, I don't need anything else. The cliff bars are going to do me fine. Just, I'll just keep running. Like what was, what was that aspect of it? Yeah. I don't think I had much of a plan. I think I kind of went off of like, oh, I can make it through a half marathon without, you know, eating or drinking stuff really. So I think the loops were long enough where I'm like, oh, I can make it through a loop and then I'll, it's like a half marathon or whatever. I was thinking in like how my road marathon and half road half marathons had gone with eating and drinking (laughs) um, maybe along the way where that, yeah, that's, that's how I broke it up. And just, I'm like, Oh, every loop I'll eat something. So between that, I was not, I don't, I probably, I don't even know if I had like any kind of water bottle. Yeah, It was just like, <laughs> here's what I'll take for the, you know, get it yeah. and then start the, the next loop. And then you're just on the loop until you finish it. So I think mentally, I just, I mean, not knowing anything is kind of fun, but I think it did just keep things simple. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know if there was anything to worry about. So I wasn't worried about anything. <laughs> so well, as they say, ignorance is bliss, I guess. Yeah. The fact yeah. That you didn't really have that knowledge of the prep aspect going into it. So you're just no. like, oh, I'm just going to see what happens and, and keep going. <laughs> right. And that was the goal. Like I wasn't trying to race it. I wasn't out there to like compete or, you know, any of that. I was just out there to see if I could cover the distance. Um, yeah. Not thinking about time or pace or yeah. Any strategy. It was just like, I'm going to be out here for some, some hours and it'll be my longest run and that's fine. So was the, was this, was this race kind of the point where you're like, okay, now I need to get into this sport even more. And that's what kind of helped get you out to the West coast and to the Portland 
area? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think I had, I had visited the West coast and Oregon, I think maybe a few times before I moved there, but yeah, it was just, a, I knew it would be a totally different kind of landscape. Um, you know, there's mountains, volcanoes out there. So yeah, something totally different than Indiana. I felt like um, for running, it was just going to be um, something new and kind of exciting to get onto some different, different terrain. So what was your first race out, out in Portland area? Uh, what was it called? I think uh, Autumn Leaves 50 Mile okay. was the first one I did. So, yeah, not too long after the 60K, I, yeah, jumped into that 50 miler. Austin Leaves, is that a little bit more of a mountain-ish elevation? Oh, no, Autumn Leaves, or no, just straight it's like flat. slightly south of Portland Metro. Okay. Flat, and it was also loops. Um, some of the loop was like paved and then some was trail. So I forget, I don't know what the percentages work, work out to for trail versus like pavement. But again, I think for me then that helped because I'm like every loop, I'll pick up something to eat. Every loop should be the same. Like I can kind of have like consistent like time or like consistent pace or whatever for each loop and kind of gauge like just how I'm doing. I guess I also probably did not think about <laughs> time or like what I could do out there. I was, I was just running. I'm just like, I'm not going to walk, you know, I'm going to, I had a couple friends out there. Yeah. I was just, again, I think it was another case of like, can I cover this distance and let's see how it goes. Yeah. For 50 miles, it went, it went very well. <laughs> what was the, so what was your first race then that kind of shifted the gear of, okay, now I'm going to take this seriously. I need to start training for it. I need to figure out the food aspect that like, what, what was that? What was that first one? Uh, probably came like years later, honestly. Like, I think I had like, I, I don't know. I'm not the most competitive person. I don't, I think for me, a lot of those early races in Oregon were just like, I'm just going to see if I can run this far. Um, and I'll just see how it goes. Like I, the next, I feel like the next ultra I did must've been Gorge Waterfalls 100 K like before it kind of shut down because of the fires. Yeah. I think that must've been 2015. I want to say, yeah. First 100 K and I, I did very well for the first half. And then the second half, I like probably walked most of it. Cause I was just like, I went out too hard. Like I just, I was spent yeah. And I, my gear was not, that's where I learned a lot of things, I think, because I had some problems during the race. Like my shoes were not correct. I felt like I was getting really bad blisters. Um, definitely didn't eat enough food. You know, like that race is interesting. Back then it was like just a straight out and back. So I'm like, you know, get to the halfway point. That's going to be a big boost. I'll eat something there and then I'll, you know, just, just run back. So yeah, going back, it's like, you have to go all the way up Multnomah Falls again. Like I just, I was kind of, uh, and plus, I don't know. I don't think I, <laughs> um, I definitely did not have the experience or like the uh, mindset kind of skills or anchors that I think of now. So like, yeah, I was just kind of demoralized a bit. I think not that I had a bad time. I was still enjoying the the time out there, but I'm like, wow, like this is tough. You know, it's tough. Um, 
you have to walk sometimes <laughs> and you're going to be out there for probably, yeah. you know, sometimes way longer than you might expect. I also, it's like, I had no gauge of like how, what I could do or what the time would be. I didn't think about that. So um, it's, yeah, I just found myself out there for a long time, but I mean, finishing it was amazing. I'm like this, I was on like a total high after finishing that thing. Cause like to, to run a hundred K I'm like, that's, I thought it was just incredible. <laughs> I don't know. I think I do think like in Oregon, a lot of those, yeah, like I said, those early races, I was just out there for fun. You know, like I just wanted someone would recommend it to me. And if the course looked good, I was just going to go out and, and try it. I want to fast forward now to Cocodona. You've done it all three years that it's been around. Is anybody listening in who doesn't who's been under a rock and doesn't know what Cocodona is. Can you give the 30,000 foot flyover of what this race actually is and what you expect to see um, as a, as a runner or even, even as a spectator or crew member at, when you're out there? Yeah. Cocodona 250 is um, 250 plus mile foot race from Black Canyon City, Rock Springs Cafe to uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. You go through like hot kind of uh, dry desert with cactus and make your way up into the Bradshaws. There's like granite up there. You hit the small town of Crown King. Rate the race is super unique, I think, for that distance because you go, you're out on really remote, rugged trails, but then you come through a lot of towns like like Crown King. You go through Whiskey Row in downtown Prescott, go through some more you know trails and fields, um, make your way to the ghost town like Jerome, um, which is a really unique unique spot in Arizona. Sedona, you hit Red Rock Country and. Definitely the landscape changes there. It's so pretty. Sedona's it's such a tourist spot, but you hit it, you get to run some of the best trails during this race. And then yeah, just make your way up on the Coconino Plateau, get into Flagstaff where it's like pine trees and a little more shade. Um, definitely some exposed spots still. But yeah, again, the scenery changes. You get to run, it's like seven thousand feet around Flagstaff, but you get to run up Eldon, which is like kind of iconic, I'd say, for Flagstaff, get up to above nine. 1000 feet drop back down into town you go through buffalo park which is also a classic and yeah straight into downtown flagstaff for a pretty big finish line <laughs> where a lot of people can come hang out and watch <laughs> <laughs> it's it, correct me if i'm wrong it's over forty thousand feet of over, elevation gain. yeah around forty thousand feet of climbing yeah and you have to complete this in 125 hours. 125 hours. Which is insane to be like, it's a short amount of time for, for that mileage and that 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 elevation gain. Um, but what's, and you said this before too, is like you're going, you're pretty much in the desert, you're going up in the mountains. So what was like this year, let's just go from this year's perspective. Like what was your temperature changes between different stages of the race? Like, cause right now in Arizona, for the most part, it's already 90 plus degrees and yeah Phoenix area, so. is really warming up so. i think like so by the start it was getting up into the 80s at night <laughs> it 
was below freezing, I think, for sure on Eldon. Very windy. Yeah, honestly, I, I couldn't give you exact numbers. <laughs> I I uh I mean I've lived here for a bit now. I don't feel like it was a super hot week. Um it's been cooler up here on the Coconino Plateau too. So I'm I'm sure like I had some friends out and they got stuck in kind of some some exposed sections during the heat of the day. So yeah, for sure probably 70s maybe 80s like in Sedona and then yeah at night it just the temperature drops in the desert and up on the plateau so um and if there's wind it's you know below freezing potentially or around freezing so <laughs> quite a big difference how do you if you know from a from a like uh an equipment standpoint right and what you're having to take along this this route kind of explain a little bit like what you've got packed into certain areas because I mean, each location is going to be a little bit differently. So how do you now that doing this event three years in a row now, like from the first year to now, how does like your, your prep work when it comes to the equipment and how much, because how much, how much equipment do you guys have to, what's the size pack that you normally would have to have? Um, on course. And then obviously we'll get into the, the nutrition and aid stations and stuff in a second, but I'm kind of just curious as we talk about the temperature changes, like what's, what is your expectations as far as what you need to pack and, and everything else? Yeah. My crew likes to make fun of me because I've had in the past, I've had a tendency to just like collect things and my pack just gets bigger and bigger. And um, <laughs> it's like so heavy by the end of the race. Um, I've made that mistake a few times. So this year for sure. Um, I think the first year actually, like, again, not coming into the race, not really knowing too much about what it was going to be like. Um, I would, I think I had like a puffy for like the whole second half of the race. Um, yeah, just some like extra layers, uh, rain jacket. There is, there is some required gear, but it is not like UTMB required gear. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that much stuff. So, um, yeah, like, um, the safety gear I'll, I'd have in my pack, but this year I was really good about, and my crew, uh, was really good about swapping stuff out. So I did, I, <laughs> the plan was to keep moving and then I wouldn't need the puffy for, um, even some of the night sections. I did have a puffy on Eldon. And that was much needed with the hood and everything. Um, so I, I, my plan was to keep it pretty light for early morning or night sections. I would pick up like an extra long sleeve wool top layer. And then I would just had like smart wool gloves and like a headband and just kept shorts. I'd say like pants, like I think I probably carried some pants or wore like running tights the past two years this year I just got overheated like I was moving fast enough where I didn't need that so yeah I think for me I wanted to keep it light and not keep accumulating things in my pack um, and my crew was really good about switching stuff like I know when I came into Walnut Canyon they told me the conditions on Eldon they're like handed me my puffy and we were off essentially so yeah I think it depends on you know what your plan is for each day like if you come in especially if you have crew like there are people out there who rely on their drop bags and they're going to have to be 
caring more for any particular section. Like if you know Jose um, Sosa, he was out here again for the third year and he didn't have his family or crew out there. It was just him and his draw bags. Um, but he ended up carrying, he had what looked like a pretty big like backpack this year. And he's like, oh, it was so heavy. Like I was just going slower. Um, he had a uh, party pace this year, he told me, but like, that's just the kind of experience he went in with. So it was different from his plan previous years. Um, but it worked out. So I think it depends on like, yeah, just what your overall plan is, how you want to kind of experience the course. And I think with crew, they can definitely help you swap things out. You don't need to carry as much. You can get away with like a very small pack at Cocodona because there isn't a ton of required gear. There's not, you know, there is a water crossing, but I think we all knew it wasn't going to rain. Like you weren't going to be dealing with um. Yeah huge shifts in weather um temperature for sure but like you know for the most part it was going to be like sunny and warm during the day and then cool and maybe windy at night um so yeah i think you can get away with like a you know regular i wear um what is it like a solomon the sense pro 10 i think um so it's not a huge pack um this year i was just good about not stuffing it to the brim with with things <laughs> lights for sure that's another piece of gear i think like you have to be smart about when you're pulling out like i like to use multiple headlamps for sure just have the headlamp um yeah. kind of in my pack um for when i need it but i like to bring out the kogala too and that's a little heavier so luckily my pacers put that on and had that but yeah um and or poles poles i have a lightweight pair of poles so that's pretty easy to just have um kind of under my pack attached um yeah and i think i was talking to some friends about their like hydration and stuff ahead of the race i did not use a bladder for anything past mile like 50 52 i think um is when i kind of emptied the bladder and didn't use it again so i know some people like um just dr i think drink more or sweat more so it's like you just have to think about you know do you want to carry a heavy bladder on top of having the yeah. um individual flasks so for me it's easier to just um know what how much i've been drinking if i'm using flasks but yeah bladder for sure for the first um for sure for the first like 37 miles up to crown king <laughs> <laughs> what um as as you're getting prepared for this year's race like again i've said like you you've done all three years and each year they've had to change the course a little bit whether it be because of wildfires or whatever it is like what was what was much different this year than you've seen the last two years? And was it for better or for worse? I think this was the best course yet. I really like, I love the original start, like the start at Rock Springs. You go through the Bradshaws to Crown King. That's like one of the coolest sections of the course. It's, it's tough, but um, you don't get, to, I don't get to run out there um, very often. And it's so remote and hot that it's like, you have to do water drops or something if you wanted to do a big run. So I think it was awesome that they took it back to the original start. Um, I think, yeah, there were some smaller fires around like the Clarkdale area. So they had to reroute a bit. And I think we ended up doing 
a little more pavement um, versus trail to go through Clarkdale before you hit Dead Horse um, and get into like Lime Kiln, Sedona. I think it was fine. I think um, if you're feeling good, it could definitely be faster. You can just run. It's like smooth sailing on some of that pavement stuff. Yeah. So that didn't that didn't bug me. I think um, with fire, you always have to kind of adapt. Um, we've, we saw it last year too with Ben Cogadona. Yeah. I think the compared to the first year, the changes they've made in Sedona have been really good. It's awesome to have a water crossing. I think Kasner Canyon is a nicer way up onto the Coconino Plateau. I mean, I have, yeah, I have no complaints. I think it's in, <laughs> for sure every year it's interesting to see like the little pieces that they've had to change to connect things. Um, everyone talks about that descent off Jerome. <laughs> it's like not really a trail. It's like the strangest section. I'd say the little <laughs> steep stuff off Jerome. And it's like, why? No one would be going through here. But it's like, that's how you have to connect it to the rest of the nice trails that that you want to get, get onto. Um, or like even Granite Dells. I know for the first year, I'm like, how did they, how did Jamil and team come up with this? Like, it's like the strangest <laughs> ways to connect some of these things sometimes, but yeah, you just see so much variety. Yeah. No complaints for me. I, I like the, I love the course. Um, there are definitely some sections that are a little monotonous when you're out there, like the Munns Park loop. It was nice. Uh, last year they had we did the Munns Park loop and there was like a long out and back as well on that section. So they cut off the out and back this year um, because the miles were elsewhere. Um, and that's nice. I, I'm not a fan of out and backs, I guess I would say. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think this year um, the course is great. <laughs> <laughs> have you talked to Jamil at all about like what, what they're looking at for next year? Do you, or have you kind of heard that it's going to be roughly the same or they make Oh, I don't, I haven't talked to them. I feel like it might be the same. I'm sure they'll have to make little changes. changes. (laughs) I would, I would assume over 250 miles, there's going to be some small little, you know, change in there somewhere, but yeah, maybe that Clarkdale section, they'll take it back to the trail. Um, And then actually once you descend off Eldon, you go down Eldon lookout road um, I'm not sure what happened because it's like some of the trails are kind of closed. They're washed out, but the, you know, following the flags, you're going through the strangest little washed out stuff, um, behind Buffalo park. So <laughs> that might change. I think, um, depending on how they rework all of that. Yeah. You don't want to be running as close trails. <laughs> so that was, uh, you get closer to Buffalo park and it, it it's clear like where the the actual trails are, but yeah, that was an odd section too. So that'll probably, um, change a bit. Yeah. Now how far is your house off of the trail system to be like, Hey, as you're going through Flagstaff, can you like see your house and be like, "Mm, if I could just make a left-hand turn, I can get over to the, I can just stop in there and use the restroom really quicker. (laughs) Yeah. It's actually like a mile or so from uh, the trailheads over here by, by Eldon. So (laughs) I did not have that thought. It, I, uh, yeah, I, the, I know last year I was coming up Eldon a little, like around sunset, it was getting dark when I got to the top. Um, I could look down and see, you know, my place this year, I was too focused on the, on the trail. I didn't think about that. So. <laughs> well, yeah, it's cool to like, you know, run home, take, take the long way to Flagstaff for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm always quite 
interested to hear the the conversation point on this because it's so hard to train for is the sleep deprivation aspect of it. Are you are you somebody who likes to get a little extra sleep at the A stations or are you a trail napper? So yeah, in the the first two years, I did not have a great sleep strategy. So I'm like, that's an area, huge area of improvement. So coming in this year, I know like previous winners and podium runners, like at Cocodona, they, you know, the through hikers, they do not need much sleep at all and they can function and, and run really well. I figured I would need more sleep than them. So I had a plan coming in. I would take one or two longer naps at eight stations. And then I was just going to do dirt naps for the rest of the way. Um, and I have to say it worked out pretty well. I did yeah. use caffeine too, um, paired with the sleep strategy. I think it turned out nice. Like the first kind of longer nap that I took wasn't that restful um, because I didn't do a good job of like taking in calories and then trying to go to sleep. So yeah, that wasn't that refreshing. I probably could have just used caffeine and kept going. Yeah. Um, but I did have a good like hour long nap in the Sedona aid station where I was just like completely passed out for, and I think a full hour. Um, that was like a total refresh. The legs felt 100% after that. So that really helped. And then at that point, I just figure like I'm getting so close to Flagstaff, I would just use caffeine and take dirt naps if I got really tired. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's fun. Like, I think last year I learned a lot about just like if you're that tired and almost sleepwalking down the trail, you just just lie down, pass yeah. out for like five minutes and like you jolt awake. Um, it's really helpful if you can like time it like that. Well, it's it's kind of scary. Like you, you talk to a bunch of people that, that do Moab or anything that's got where your trails are kind of walking along the, the cliff side. Right. And if you get to a point where you're starting to hallucinate enough, there's been some stories that I've heard where people have kind of fallen off a little bit and it's, so it, it gets a little, little sketchy in some spots. That's why I'm so interested in, in it because sleep deprivation is so hard to train for. Like, it's not like you're going to can't really go out and do your own trail and then say, okay, I'm going to go into sleep deprivation and try and sleep on the trail here in random spots. Right. It's, it's the most interesting piece of, of these multi-day races for me, for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely don't, I don't feel like I have it perfectly figured out. I think it's fun. Like, yeah, again, it, yeah. Like you said, it's hard to kind of simulate, simulate that in training. I don't, to me, it wouldn't be possible. Like you're not going to be as exhausted no, exactly. during training as you will be during a 200 plus mile race. So yeah, it's just a kind of a fun, like learning opportunity. I think, I think um, I've definitely improved, but yeah, it's just fun <laughs> to try to figure out. Or, I mean, I didn't really have, uh, I started, I was seeing some things in Sedona. Like there were these big flowers that I thought were like faces or skeletons, but I wasn't, I heard stories like, and some of my friends were hallucinating. Um, and I think that could get a little dangerous. Like, luckily if you have a pacer, they can probably help you out a bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Another friend saw when he was coming up Eldon, he saw a guy who he could just tell he was like, really, just really tired, exhausted, you know, wobbling a bit. And that's scary. Like if you see someone kind of wobbling on Eldon, like Eldon lookouts, Rocky, um, yeah, to know when you need a dirt nap and just got to <laughs> try and be careful. <laughs> um, you reference pacers. Are you, you know, when you're, when it's comes time for your pacers and stuff, are you give me conversation 
mentality or are you just like, Hey, I just want you to be quiet. Let me focus. Let me listen to my music, whatever it is that you're doing and just keep, you know, keep me going. Like what's, what's your take on that? Like, what do you like? Typically I like when my pacers just keep the conversation going. I think it's yeah. fun to just chat. I think this year I had like, how many was it? Like seven, seven pacers. I want to say I had so many people um excited to hop in so i think they all brought something different to the table which was fun like of course i have my sister who knows me really well and we can kind of run in silence or chat and it's it's fine just we're so familiar with each other and like pacing and running with each other so um yeah i think every everyone kind of had their own strategy <laughs> a bit typically i i i do like conversation i think it's fun um also, especially if you have someone kind of new, newer to eat either to like crewing and pacing you or just, yeah, yeah, I've had a total stranger jump in the first year at Cocodona and we just chatted. Like he told such funny, crazy stories about trail running. So I'm like, yeah, that, I mean, that keeps you entertained. Right. So exactly. um, yeah, I had a few pacers who chatted. We kind of joked around and laughed, had to play music at one point with one pacer, my friend Morgan, because there were some cows on the, on the trail and we just had to be loud and get, try to get down to get down the trail so yeah a little scary but yeah music and like <laughs> talking help it also i think keeps you awake i had a pacer who was very strict and he was kind of all business like yeah we chatted joked around a bit but he's like did you eat you know are you drinking your your fluids um you know this is what you need to do coming into this aid station so yeah i think i had a good mix of uh business and fun <laughs> for the whole way <laughs> <laughs> little business little pleasure it's fine it's okay it's, it's fun too i had some people come in from out of state as well so um it's it's always fun to kind of uh run with someone who's not familiar with Arizona. They're just stoked to see the trail. So yeah, definitely a few of my pacers were just like so happy to be out there um, <laughs> exploring Arizona. So yeah, it worked out perfectly, I'd say. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that race aspect of it. Because if, I, if I'm if i correct, and it's been a couple of weeks, like you said, uh, I think I read where you were running into in like third place right around mile 200 215 somewhere in that zone and you were able to catch up and surpass second place like did you like where was where was your mindset at knowing going into that section or that area and when did you actually realize that you had passed the second place person and then catching up to first place and so on and so forth. Like kind of walk me through your mentality of that and like what your crew is telling you and, and what, what section of the course are you coming up to? Like, cause obviously you're getting closer and closer to Flagstaff at that point or up into more of the mountainous areas. So like, what's your plan now going into the, this final 40 miles? Yeah, I, for sure. When you hit Fort Tuthill Flagstaff, like that was my plan. Like I wanted to race that section and I think it worked out well where like I felt like I slept enough. I wasn't going to take any more naps from Fort Tuthill on. Like there's only two, really two sections left of the race and you're in Flagstaff. So yeah, that was always the plan to like, I, I don't like to be too like, 
too aware of okay. competition. Or I, I do think it's helpful to have a sense of where people are. And especially at that point, like I was hearing then coming into Fort Tuthill, kind of Kelly Canyon area, even Munns Park, like I was hearing some updates from my crew, um, which is useful, but like you still have to run your own race, right? So I wasn't going to like, my plan wasn't to like start pushing it too early. When I got to like Fort Todd Hills, it's, it's like, that's the end. Like that's where I want to like run the rest of it. Yeah. And thinking back to previous years, like I've struggled on that Walnut Canyon section. So like just, you know, um, thinking back to last year and not like walking a lot of that section, my plan had always been to like run it. Like if I was going to, if I could run that section, I was going to be happy with like my performance on that section breaking it up between eight stations so um yeah it's, it was exciting i think um the second place woman was i want to say taking a, a longer break or a nap so my crew <laughs> they were you know we were kind of joking around a bit but yeah i could sense that they just wanted me to get out and start <laughs> the next section and, and kick me out so <laughs> I think it worked out. Like I felt coming into that aid station, I'm like, okay, we're, we're going to start like racing now. Like for me, um, that's where I knew I wanted to keep up the pace and just make it into the finish strong. So yeah, definitely for Tuthill, but yeah, it's like you're, you're, you start hearing from people like, and you start feeling like you're really close to the end. Like you just have to keep your foot on the pedal, I guess I would say. Um, a little bit more pressure, which is sometimes very useful, but it's a little stressful too. So um, yeah, for me, I was just trying to run my best on each section. And I felt like I was able to do that because of, you know, decisions I made all throughout the previous days um, and having a great crew and great pacers. So yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> super exciting. It's, <laughs> it's, I will always remember the Walnut Canyon aid station, like, you wind around so long. I feel like the Walnut Canyon section is like two miles longer than what they tell you. So my pacer and I are like, where is this aid station? We're like just running to try to find it. You don't see the lights until you're actually there. So um, finally made it there. And my crew was just so dialed. I cannot believe how crazy they were like hyped up. They're like swapping out stuff with my pack. Hand me the Red Bull. Hand me my Puffy. Give me the like conditions on on Eldon, you know, tell me where people are at in, in the race. And we just, my patient, I take off and it's like, yeah, it's game on. So yeah, very exciting. And also fun for me to like, have felt that good going into that final section. It's the coolest section with Eldon. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's tough. I think um, talking to people after, I think it's like, you just have to you have to run your own race and do what's smart for you um, and, you know, figure things out sometimes on, on the way, but it's really, it's been really cool to, to hear some stories of like small competition, like you're coming up on somebody and now you get competitive, you know, like the moment yeah. arises where you have to like turn it on and get into another gear. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just really cool to see that at a 250 mile race. <laughs> Well, I think that's the that's the beauty of multi-day races. Like you, you and Mike were both anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours behind the leader, and both of you came back and surpassed both of them. Like it's and that again, it, it it's all about when you're taking in the rest time periods, how long how long you're going at the aid stations, how slow you're going, are you sleeping on the trail? Like there's so many aspects of it and this the strategy points of it. Like you said, like it, you almost have to run your own race. And then as you were doing, I think was as brilliant is 
the last 40 miles where you got into that Todd Hill area, like, and this is where I want to rate, this is where I'm going to put the throttle down and, and go and whatever happens, happens in a sense. Right. And so yeah. I, I think that's the beauty of any multi-day race is you don't know where most of the people are on course or how much you've actually caught up to somebody in a certain section until you get to that aid station and you're like, Oh shit, I just cut my time down from two hours to an hour. Right. And then, then it, then it all of a sudden it, it has to just give you that again, that extra nudge of, okay, now I've got some like, okay, there's extra hope. I've, I've, I've cut my time in half. Right. So I think that's some of the coolest things about, about that side of the sport. Yeah. Sure. So coming into, coming into Flagstaff, coming into that finish, kind of share, share your thoughts as you're, as you're coming into downtown and, and finishing this thing out. Cause what, what time of day did you, were you finishing up? It was early morning, like a little after sunrise, I want to say, coming into town. I think I was Eldon. Something happened on Eldon. I was like so out of it thinking back. Yeah, I honestly do not know how going down like the first year going down Eldon, I struggled. It like hit me. I'm like, this is tough. Like my legs hurt. But so like the next two years, I'm like. I got to run this whole thing and be strong on this downhill um, to get off Eldon. So like that went well, that, you know, was great. But I, this year, I cannot believe how fast we made it through that, like washout area um, and through Buffalo park. Um, I was kind of running with the third place guy, um, Mike Greer um, for a bit. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it was just like, to, like I didn't hit me until I think this the last like turn into downtown um, before Pogodona Alley, as they like to call it. But yeah, I, I don't know how we made it there that fast. I was like, kind of blown away. Like my pacer is telling me like what the time was. And I'm like, how is that? That's insane. Like, how is that even possible? <laughs> I don't know how it happened. Um, it could be coming in that that quickly. But yeah, I don't think it hit like it did not hit me until like after Buffalo Park. And I, I was just like cruising into town then super <laughs> grateful for the entire experience. Like it's crazy. I think that's another fun thing about this course. Like you're back in town where people are doing their normal everyday things. And you just went on the, you've just been on this crazy multi-day journey out in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people are just going to work or whatever. And you're just yeah. running down the street. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I just, I, yeah, I almost, was too like spent to feel any like I was kind of numb people were asking me at the finish line like how do you feel I'm like yeah of course I'm like elated and stuff completely satisfied with the whole experience and the outcome but it was so tired I was just like I don't know how to feel right now (laughs) yeah well I mean there's got to definitely be like you had said in your in your recovery zone it's like there's there's got to be this fog that's kind of sitting over you a little bit mentally. Cause you, A, like you said, you just finished 250 miles and B been running through the night. Like there's gotta just be this. Yeah, I'm done. I'm great. I'm grateful. This is awesome. What just happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that it. last section, um, from Walnut Canyon was like a blur. Like it went by so fast, uh, for the most part, pretty smooth besides me not knowing where I was at going down, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, just crazy. So many, I think, yeah, a mix of emotions for sure. But um, yeah, just I couldn't believe it, honestly. That time just is still seems so fast. <laughs> <laughs> now that this event's over with, uh, you've got one coming up on June 3rd. But I want to like, 
are you more now into the multi-day racing now, or is this, are, are you still like, Oh, I'll the hundred K or hundred mile in here every now and then, or whatever. Like what's, what's your, um, interest going forward. And, and what do you kind of see from that? Are you planning on doing, you know, the triple crown stuff? Are you, are you looking at even beating that or what, what's, what's your thought process? Yeah, I'm, I think most intrigued by the 200 mile races, like multi-day things. I would like to maybe do some multi-day stuff that is, that isn't racing because I think the experience is a lot of fun and you learn a lot. I definitely still like hundred milers mentally after doing a 250 mile race, hundred miles. Not that it's ever going to be easy. Those are still challenging, but the logistics of it just seems so much more simple compared to figuring out how you want to run a 250 mile race. So yeah, I definitely still for the rest of the year, I have some shorter, <laughs> shorter <laughs> hundred mile things, hundred K and up um, things for the rest of the year, which is nice. But yeah, I think I definitely uh, want to try different 200 plus mile events for sure. I don't know if that'll be any of the triple crown stuff or destination trail races. The yeah. Tour de Giants has been really intriguing to me. And that's a ton of, <laughs> a ton of climbing, which is a bit out of my comfort zone, but I think that's where I'm interested in kind of exploring. Yeah. I just like to, yeah, I think after having done Cocodona three times, I need to try a different uh, race of a similar distance and just see how that goes. Like there are different problems that are going to come up. I'm sure, um, different things to figure out. So yeah, I definitely will race some more 200 plus stuff. (laughs) Well, it's, it's quite interesting. You know, being a a trail race director myself, it's, I love how things, you see things evolve in, in any sport, right. And, and in trail running, but Originally, it was like you know people were getting into trail running. All of a sudden, the ultra, you know, the fifty k, the fifty mile, the hundred k, the hundred mile, all, all kind of became this thing where everybody was trying to do those, right? And and this goes kind of goes back to the Boston Marathon mentality of like, oh my god, that's it. Okay, and now now kind of seen it as the two hundred mile multi day races are now that that big stepping stone of like, hey, we need, I I want to get to that point, or what can I do? Can I complete a second one? Can I win a second one? Can I finish a second? Whatever it is. And it's it's interesting how the sport is evolving into the longer and longer distances now. And I, I think a lot of that comes into how the, the the onset of the FKT realm has kind of picked up, right? And I, I think over these next few years, we'll probably see more or even more 200-mile races happening. Um not that I ever want to put one of those on. I think they're <laughs> that's just a lot of logistics, a lot of work, but God bless, God bless Candace and Jamil for doing it. <laughs> but yeah. And go beyond is, uh, I think it's going to happen. They've been trying to put on a 200 yeah. up in Oregon as well, but you know, fire takes out a lot of, a does. lot of fields these days. So it's like, it's so hard to know, um, in certain areas, like, you know, how's the weather and how's the climate? Is it going to impact a race at a certain time of year? So yeah, very tricky. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I mean, I, I wish you the best on, on whatever race you got coming up next and your next adventure to your 200. So <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. appreciate you coming on Sarah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Trail Life Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jeff Stoner. Music was provided by the Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this episode and the Trail Life Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you find your favorite podcast episodes. Thank you again for listening in, and we'll see you out on the trails real soon.